Hello, and welcome to the Rothwell Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence podcast. Our mission here at RCTLE is to empower faculty members in their pursuits of professional growth through diverse offerings for the universal goal of student success. Each episode will offer insight into best teaching practices, new resources, and interesting people here at Embry-Riddle Worldwide. We hope you will find our show to be helpful and enlightening. Happy listening! Today we are joined by Dr. Andy Aldrin, an associate professor in the College of Aviation. Dr. Aldrin has a background in government research, aerospace industry, and academia, focusing on the intersection of policy, business, and academia. Dr. Aldrin founded the ISU Center for Space Entrepreneurship at Florida Tech and served as the director of the Aldrin Space Institute. In addition, he served as the president of Moon Express and was the director of business development and advanced programs for Boeing NASA programs, Boeing Launch Programs, and United Launch Alliance. He has also served as a resident consultant at the Rand Corporation and professional research staff member at the Institute for Defense Analyses. Dr. Aldrin is currently the program coordinator for the Master's in Space Operations degree program at Embry-Riddle Worldwide and serves as the president of the Aldrin Family Foundation. Without further ado, please enjoy Dr. Andy Aldrin. I wanted you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up with Embry-Riddle Worldwide. Yeah, my career path. My career path is kind of described as, don't try this at home, folks, (laughs) because it's not normal. When I started, I was passionate about, and really because of teachers and professors that I had, I developed a passion for trying to understand the Soviet Union. Because I was growing up around space, I had an interest in space as well. And so I studied to be a Sovietologist. And I went to UCLA where I got my PhD in a program that was a combined US, uh, UCLA and uh, the RAND Corporation, which I, I had been working at a think tank called the Institute for Defense Analysis in Washington, D.C. So it was a, a natural transition for me to go to RAND, which is the two are very similar in lots of ways. And so I was going to be a Sovietologist. And I was flying back and forth between California and Moscow, Leningrad, four or five times a year. And this was, it was great because literally this is, the wall was coming down, the curtain was coming up. And the kind of access that I had was just astonishing because I could, the things that people were openly talking with me about and showing me were things that were unbelievably secret three or four years earlier. So that was really cool. But then the Soviet Union went away, which I thought was rather impolite. And with that kind of went my career path and my my research agenda. I I did some work for aerospace companies, you know, mostly kind of telling them about the Soviet Union, now Russia. And so I got a job offer at TRW, and so I got into the aerospace industry. And so here you've got a guy who's got a PhD in political science. I have another degree. I had a degree in space policy, a master's degree, and and I ended up I ended up getting an MBA along the way too. But I ended up running advanced programs, strategy and business development for Boeing's civil space business, and um, I had responsibility for a lot of the advanced development work in their commercial space business, and then for their launch business. And here I'm a guy with a PhD in political science. It's, it, it seems really weird, but in a lot of ways, what I learned is what really matters isn't so much the technology. What matters is the market and the customer. So I learned about that stuff. And then I got spun off into a joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed and launch business and kind of did the same things there. And then I I bailed out to go run a small company that was building spacecraft to go to the moon. I did that for a while. I was going to kind of retire and just do consulting things. And I, my dad asked me to come in and help him 
set up a space research institute at Florida Tech. And so we did that and along the way created a Center for Space Entrepreneurship at Florida Tech. I acquired a real passion for space education. At the same time, I'm running the Family Foundation, which is doing kind of K-12 education stuff. And it really, it kind of hit me that this was a place where I could learn, I could teach. It's some place where it's really needed because we have a lot of engineers who don't understand how to run a business. A lot of the, one of the interesting things is, you know, engineers are just looking for answer. Give me the numbers and I will tell you the answer. And what's really important in today's environment, especially, is understanding the right question. And so I was really happy with the program we started at Florida Tech, but I wanted to take it further. And I just got the opportunity to connect up with Embry-Riddle worldwide. And in particular, I was attracted to the notion of doing online programs. Because while I was at Florida Tech, I was teaching online during the COVID years. And I realized you can make it work. We at Florida Tech were just were pretty much amateurs at this. We were making it up. And then to come into Embry-Riddle, where you are all really trained professionals and realize how much work goes into it, but how effective it can be, it's it kind of blows my mind. I, I do think there are, there are ways of doing a lot of interaction that might be synchronous. Still, my favorite time every week is Thursday afternoon when I hold open office hours. But I have become convinced, mostly as a result of the quality of the work I see from the students, that this is a fantastic medium. And I, I'm just I'm excited about exploring all of the different things that we can put together. You know, we're just kind of putting together kind of the, the skeleton of Master of Space Operations program, but I, I envision layering on more and more material as we can bring in videos from experts and things that, that are really hard to do synchronously, but they're easy to do in an asynchronous format. So I'm really, really excited about this whole thing. Sometimes I feel like online education can get a bad rap and some people don't like it and they don't think that the education is as good when it's delivered online. But online education, especially I've learned since being here at Every Riddle, there's so much opportunity for all of that stuff that you had listed. I actually think it has the opportunity to be a superior form of education, not just because of the convenience, but I think you can convey more information, more thought than you can in a purely synchronous environment that's just they're just tremendous opportunities with it and it's an embry riddle is so well positioned in this in this area particularly in aerospace for me it's perfect it's just perfect all of your experience leading up to this point really does make you super qualified to then take on this role as the developer for the mspo program so could you first tell us a little bit about the mspo program uh, the MSPO program is, is Masters of uh, Space Operations. The goal of the program is to provide an education that will enable people to make transitions. So in some cases, people are transitioning from another industry into space. In some cases, they're transitioning from maybe they're doing operations, test operations or something like that, and they want to get more involved in the design development or operations at a management level and an executive level. Some people are want to understand the industry because they want to go start their own business. So it's it's kind of about enabling transitions. Another way of thinking about it is, and, and I think this is a really important career framework, is when you start out as an undergraduate, it's really important that you develop a skill set. And what we are doing is taking people that have a skill set, maybe it's in engineering, maybe it's in business. 
business, maybe it's in policy, uh, maybe it's legal, and giving crossing the T is a way of thinking about it, and giving them a broad-based interdisciplinary look at an industry segment, a very dynamic industry segment. So what we try and do is sort of the long-term objective is to set a set of core courses that, that everyone needs to take, and then instead of organizing our courses by discipline, disciplines like avionics or some operations, we actually organize it by industry. And we take a very multidisciplinary approach to it so that what you really start out with, are, as I mentioned a little bit before, what are the real questions? So it, inevitably, it starts out with technology is meaningless unless you have somebody that's buying it. I don't care if it's a government. I don't care if it's commercial. It's absolutely meaningless unless someone will buy it. And so we start out with the, with the notion of what is the industry, a little bit of the history, and, and then fundamentally, how do you make money in this industry? What are the industry segments? Who are the customers? And then you start looking at what are the market dynamics? Is it a high growth industry? Is it an industry where entry is easy? Is it an industry where it's attractive and profitable? And then you start on your course project. I mean, you, you do, you, everyone has a course project, which is typically uh, for the industry-based courses, it's design a business. And so you have to think about the market, how you're going to make money, and then you start thinking about the technology. And then you design your rocket. And, and then finally, how what's your strategy for market entry? And so that's the way the program is focused. It's very interdisciplinary. It's intended to put people in an industry and understand what that industry is about. I think that's such an exciting approach. And there's a few things that you said that really stuck with me. The first one being that this program is built to enable transitions, which I think is a quintessential Embry-Riddle move. We have such a huge military population with students who are trying to transition out and continue on their skills or people who are just coming from different industries. So I think that this program is going to serve that population really, really well. And that's very exciting. I also love, I kept thinking of the word holistic, like the whole, the holistic nature of this program and how it's not just for the people who are really, really great at the technology part, because you're right, you know, that technology doesn't mean anything if there's no one there to buy it. So we really do need to set these students up for success to enter the field, enter this market and be successful with it um, at every angle, the business people and not just the tech people. You know, we did, Kimberly Luthi, Dr. Kimberly Luthi, did a study for yet another degree that she's getting on space education. And so we went out and talked to industry and government leaders about what's needed in space education. And they all talked about this kind of, you call it a holistic um, notion, but it needs to be interdisciplinary. We need to be more than just good businessmen. We need to be more than just good engineers. We need to understand why. If a student is interested in one of the courses within the program, can they just take that as an elective, or is it very specific to the people who are just taking that degree? I think the answer is right now, because we haven't established a really formal sequence to things. Anybody takes anything, and it, and it works out. I mean, I think it's better if you understand the broad market ecosystem, if you understand the technologies, if you understand policy and law and program management, you are better equipped to take the classes, but I think you'll get a lot out of it anyway. I actually think there are numerous ways we could do things that can kind of 
tied to, you know, there's the, the core courses, and then you've got industry courses and launch communications, remote sensing, etc. If people have interests from other programs at Embry-Riddle that they want to take just one of the industry courses, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it probably it may make sense for some people, maybe people in corporations, to actually put together a, a customized set of courses that they could take. Because we can do this anytime. And I think that's another interesting direction in education is that increasingly corporations, governments are looking for opportunities to create tailored uh, educational programs. And I think we can do this without a whole lot of modification to the courses we're already developing. So as a subject matter expert, as the course developer, what are some steps that you take as the course developer to ensure that students are able to connect and find relevance with the course material? Uh, what I take a lot from is courses I've taught in the past, but I think what I'm trying to find is a framework that works for all of the courses. And, and so we are using a, a similar framework for communications, the launch, remote sensing, what have you, and, and that it seems to work. But I, I really believe one of the things that's really important to me is, is refining it as you go along. And, it, and so that's something that I think is important that you're constantly, you can't be providing old material. And, you know, in the space of the next 12 months, there are things that are going to happen in this industry, good or bad, that are fundamentally going to change it. Is SpaceX going to launch this massive Starship rocket? Is the NASA SLS going to be a successful program? There are a whole lot of things that have to do with communications and all of these things. I think that my that my industry space is more unique than anything, but it's not. So it's, I think it's important to figure out ways of keeping that fresh. Okay. Well, I know I think that this is a really good approach. So you're developing it with this framework in mind, but also keeping in mind that the industry is changing constantly. Um, so leaving room for those things to be updated, which I do think that that makes the course content relevant to the students because you're constantly pulling material right. from you know current events, things that are happening right now. So I think that the core written material, if you will, and the syllabi, Probably doesn't change that much. Not even so much the reading list. One of the things that I do is for almost every module, I'll put together a 15, maybe at most 30 minute video that does talk about things that you're not going to find in the reading anywhere. And so my, one of the things that I think is important is to keep that part of it fresh. And that's easy relatively for IDD. It's easy for me. It doesn't, I may shuffle a few charts. But I literally can tape something. I've kind of got a nice home studio that I've built. And I can do that very easily. And that seems like something we could do that would keep courses fresh. And students, they seem to like the videos and because it, it does things. It's, you're, not, you're not going to find the stuff that I do in lectures and in, in readings anywhere. And, and it's certainly nothing that is as fresh. Yeah, I like that. And I think it really segues nicely into the next part of our questions, which is what can faculty members do to help students make those meaningful connections with the course content? One is the developer. So the developer, I think, has to provide material. And a, it's all about storytelling. All about storytelling. One of the things that I know I need to do better is connecting with the instructors that are out there that, that get this pile of videos and material, and they have to make it their own. And I think we need to find more ways, systematically having the time to get together with the other instructors 
and cross-fertilize what we're doing. That's something we could do better, but what's happening already that I'm, I'm amazed by is how much interaction the students will have with each other. They're tremendous conversations. And, and I think one of the things we really need to do is encourage the students to reach out to the faculty and help us become much more of a part of the discussion. And I know it's an objective, I think you call it teaching from the front of the class. And that's, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. I, I feel like, you know, I'm always trying to catch up with things and stay just a little bit ahead of it, but it's hard to do. I think that strategy of encouraging the faculty members to make the course content their own. There is this core information that you've put together and put in the course, but of course they have their own perspective. They have their own experiences that they can bring to the table. So constantly encouraging them to make it their own. And I like what you also said about encouraging students to reach out to the instructors and making them a part of the conversation, which is really, really important for adult learners to begin with. That's really how they learn is their instructors recognizing that they have something to bring to the table. I have to tell you, I have been incredibly impressed with the quality of material coming out of my students. I think, you know, as we were running the Space Entrepreneurship Program, it wasn't MIT elite, but we, it was kind of a halo program. We were bringing students in from around the world, and I thought we had some great students. But I have to tell you that the good students in the classes I've taught are fantastic and really, really motivated, really motivated and do incredible work. Sometimes it's just, I, I kind of want to say, you know, I, I don't really need a 90-page paper. But I did. I got, uh, first course I taught, I got a 90-page paper. And you want to know what? It was beautiful. It was phenomenal. It was well-organized. You hit all of the detail. Anytime I'm looking for something, well, I got that, hit that one on the head. It was fantastic. Of course, someone else had developed, and I put pretty strict page limits on things. But, you know, the amount of work and the quality of the work that this student put in, I've, in every course, I've got five or ten of these that are putting in that level of work. They are great. That's really impressive, and I think it also speaks to the quality of the materials put in the course, too, because, you know, that is sparking something in them. They are excited to learn about it, and they, they want your feedback on their thoughts and their process, so that's really cool. A lot of people in, in the program I ran on Space Entrepreneurship, everyone was in that program because they were a space cadet. It's not necessarily the case here. You've got people yeah. that think, well, maybe that's cool. But at least half of the class, I think much more so than other courses I've taught, like engineering management, where it was hard to pull the students into it. These students jump into space because space is exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And I think that will really go hand in hand with your idea of it's all about storytelling. I really love that. I think that that is a really cool teaching strategy that this subject in particular will really benefit from. It also presents some challenges in that when I'm telling a story, which I'm doing in every course I create, every module, but that's my story. And I hope that the instructors are really grasping it and understand what story I'm telling. Embry-Riddle Worldwide develops their courses as templated courses, as you know. Um, so using that existing template model, what are areas of the course that faculty should insert their expertise and show ownership over that course content? Like, what are your favorite areas in the course to kind of put your own spin on things? Well, see, I don't, first of all, in, in doing course development, it's still kind of a canvas, but if you're an instructor and you are handed a, a storybook, if you will, from a developer, um, I think the most important thing that you can do is the instructor's corner. And I will tell you that I'm, I'm not as good about this as I should be, 
but in part, the story, it's my story, so it's already in there. But talk about what the story is for that week from your perspective. You know, so if you're talking about launch markets or something like that, tell them what the story of a small launch is. And it's a really, it's an interesting story for that. And so I think that's the opportunity that faculty presented with templates need to be working off of. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. The COA specifically has the instructor's corners. And I love that idea of what story of the week from your own perspective. And I think that if you're teaching even outside of the college of aviation, that there are areas in the course template where you can do that, whether that be the announcements or uh, editing the module overview page. But yes, you know, the same goes for anybody in any subject. But I love, I just love your emphasis on the storytelling. I think that we could do more of that. Well, and open office hours are a great thing, but I, you know, I'll get eight students at most participating in that. And it really is, I mean, I understand for a lot of students, you just can't do it, but it, it really is an opportunity to exchange ideas in a way that you just don't get otherwise. And so I think that's an opportunity. I wish we could find ways of encouraging more students to participate in it. But I also understand that it's sort of fundamental to our business model that you can't require someone to be somewhere at a specific time. I get that. Well, eight, eight is a good count. I've heard some people that are like, I always hold open office hours and no one shows up. So. Oh, no, I've always got a core of at least four people that are always there. That's awesome. That's good to hear. That's awesome. Well, you want to know what? I'll tell you what really warms my heart. I won't get too specific, but I had a student in the last course that I taught who didn't really know anything about space. He was coming in. He was not in the MSO program. It was an elective or something that he was taking. And he was pretty clueless to begin with. But by the end of the course, he was producing phenomenal material. And that just, you know, that warmed my heart. The little heart I have left at this point. <laughs> That is always the best, the most rewarding thing about teaching is yeah. seeing the growth and the passion kind of develop. That's really cool. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. That's my pleasure. My pleasure. That's all we have for today. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions or even suggestions for topics you'd like to hear in the future, feel free to leave a comment below or send an email to rctle at erau.edu.